to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering of Southcrest Baptist Church. To learn more about The Venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. If you have your Bible, if you will, go ahead and turn to Galatians Colossians, Colossians chapter one. We're going to start in verse 24 in just a minute. We're excited. Pastor Dave and I are back in Colossians now. And so uh, looking forward to continuing to, um, man, go through it and just see what God has in store for us. I want, I want to start with um, an illustration that I, I've probably heard when I was in elementary school. This seems like something uh, Brother Danny might use with the kiddos in the children's ministry because it's just simple, but I think it's, it's effective. And so it's a simple idea that... Um, when you squeeze an orange, if I don't make a mess here, there we go. When you squeeze an orange, it's kind of gross looking, you get orange juice, right? Because uh, what's inside of an orange comes out when it's sque- squeezed, when it's put under pressure. I'm going to set this down here. That's true, right? Uh, even of us, that what is in us comes out of us when we're put under pressure, when we're squeezed. And it's interesting to think about that with, with what we're going through right now with um, this pandemic, that you can feel like we want to say, man, what's going on is causing me to have these thoughts or have these feelings. So what's going on around me is causing me to be uh, de- depressed or it's causing me to be selfish or it's causing me to be hopeless. But here, here's the reality is that, again, we, what's inside of us is revealed when we're put under pressure, when, when we're squeezed. I remember uh, one pastor taught me that really those things, whatever it be, sinful desires or thoughts are already in our heart, but tough times, situations, circumstances tend to draw those out and reveal them. So I want you to ask yourself right now, what, what is being revealed in your life? So as you're kind of under the pressure cooker, if you will, of this pandemic, what are, what are the things that are being drawn out that you're seeing about yourself? Like, seriously, take a moment just to consider that. What, what are you seeing in yourself? It's, it's kind of scary, right? Like, I, I know for me, it's a little scary to think about uh, as this is happening, that, man, wh- where are these thoughts, where are these maybe desires, where are these worries coming from? Again, it's not just they're being put on me, they're, they're really coming out of me. Now, if we're honest, um, I'm going to kind of lean into to my generation for a second. And I'm not, I know not everyone in the millennial generation would, would fit into this category, but I, I think a lot of us would. And that is, I think as we're under this pressure cooker, we're seeing that what's coming out of us is a lot of selfishness, a lot of, of worry about what's going to happen to me or to mine, uh, I, don't, I want to make light of that this is difficult, but at the same time, I think we're seeing in our lives that, man, I, I'm pretty self-centered. Like, I, I like to focus on my issues, my wants, my needs, my desires. I'm worried about my future. So maybe to say it simply, I think what's happening again for a lot of folks, especially my generation, is that as the pressure of this pandemic is squeezing us, we're seeing that we're pretty self-centered. And honestly, I would say we're even, we're pretty wimpy Christians. Like we, 
we face any sort of difficulty and we're like, woe is me, my life is over. And it's not just in the pandemic. I think we've been doing this for a while now that we face any kind of hardship. Our life gets difficult in the least little bit and we begin to, to kind of crumble and wear thin because we're just not used to hardship. It's kind of scary, right? How, how wimpy we can sometimes be. I think about how we want you to grow and um, we want to help you find your greatest pleasure, your greatest purpose in Jesus. And I would say for a lot of folks, but again, especially in my generation, we're real big on the pleasure in Jesus. I want to find joy and comfort and peace in Jesus. But when it comes to finding my purpose in Jesus and, and living for him and doing ministry, we're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I don't know if I want to do that. It's true, right? Now, again, this pandemic is showing that, that what's coming out of us is, we really want to focus on ourselves. It's really difficult to focus on and encourage and love and serve other people. Because again, we're big on pleasure and purpose, but we struggle with, excuse me, we're big on the pleasure in Jesus, but we're not so big on the purpose in Jesus. And, and finding out, God, how do I live for you? How do I, how do I serve you? How do I um, honor you and do ministry in a way that, that blesses you, God, and that reflects who you are? You know, someone that, that found a great balance of this, uh, or I told you to turn to Colossians, was, was the Apostle Paul. He had this great, I don't know if balance is the right word, but he did both. He found his, his pleasure in Jesus, but he also found his, his purpose in Jesus. So he realized it wasn't just about what Jesus could do for him. It was that because, man, Jesus has saved me and transformed my life. I want to serve him. I want to take the good news of Jesus to other people. So he had that balance. And as we're going to see here in a second in the text of Colossians 1, 24 through 29, we got to remember, even though he's kind of telling us how he approaches ministry, Paul was not bragging. The goal of Paul writing this was not that the Colossians would sit back and go, man, Paul, what a guy. You know what? I'll just never be on his level. There's no one as cool as him. I can never be like him. No, he wasn't just bragging. He was demonstrating. Here is what ministry looks like. Here's what it looks like to find your purpose in Jesus. And, and I want to, before we get to the text, emphasize this. Every single Christian is called to ministry. Now it may look different. There's vocational ministry, like what some of the pastors and staff get to do up here, where it it's our full-time job. But all of us are called to minister. We have different context. It looks different for different people, but all of us are called to be on mission for the cause of Christ, to be on mission, to take the good news of Jesus to the world. And not just that, but we're called to minister to each other. So it's not just the pastor's job or the Sunday school teacher's job to help encourage you and minister to those in your group or those in the church. It's all of our jobs to, the scripture says, to build each other up in love. So that's worth emphasizing to realize this is not just the passage, just for preachers, just for those in ministry, not just for missionaries. This is for every Christian about what it looks like to find your greatest, not just pleasure, but your greatest purpose in Jesus. So whether you're a school teacher, whether you're in uh, the healthcare field, whether you are a farmer, whether you build homes, whether you're in marketing or uh, PR, whether you sell homes, whether you work at Cycle Bar, wherever you work, you are called to do ministry. You're called to find your greatest, not just pleasure, but your greatest purpose in Jesus. So this text is going to help us see what that looks like? What are kind of the necessary things to live that out? 
And so here's the first one. I'm gonna tell it to you, then we're gonna read the text. The first one is embrace the pain. Embrace the pain. Read with me verse 24. It says, Paul says, now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. So he's saying ministering to others, reaching out to others, serving others for the cause of Christ, it is painful. And if you could ask anybody about that, they would have an opinion, it would be Jesus, right? He would say, yes, serving others is painful. Jesus knows about pain. He went to the point of death on the cross to serve us. Now let's think about it. It says he rejoices. Paul is not some weirdo who likes pain. He's rejoicing in his sufferings because he knows that the sufferings are producing something good in followers of Christ. He says, I'm suffering for your sake. So he's saying, I know that in my suffering, it's helping you to know, people know Jesus. And then once they know Jesus, helping them to grow in Jesus. And let's think about his sufferings for a second. It says he rejoices in his suffering. So what were those? If you remember, where was Paul when he wrote this? He was in prison, right? If you look at 2 Corinthians, uh, I think it's chapter, yeah, chapter 11, um, Paul kind of lists out some of the sufferings he'd, he'd experienced. So being beaten, being stoned, being shipwrecked, of course, being in prison, uh, being sick, going sleepless, night, having sleepless nights, having the anxiety of, of caring for believers in Christ, of, of taking the gospel to the world. Those are just a few of the sufferings he experienced. But he says, I rejoice in those. I embrace the pain because I know it's producing something good in you. Now, let's also clarify another word here. He says, I'm filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. So some people, some of our, our, our Catholic friends, not all of them, but some of them would try to use this to say, oh, this is an explanation for, for purgatory. Or even just that, man, if we suffer on behalf of other people, maybe we could get, get them into heaven a little bit quicker. Some people have been so bad, so evil, that maybe if we suffer on their behalf, we could make up for some of the lacking in Christ's afflictions. We know that idea is not scriptural. All through the gospels, really even the Old Testament points to the fact that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is absolutely enough. Even in, even in Colossians, uh, look over in chapter one, uh, talking of Jesus, verse 13 says, he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So it doesn't say that Jesus and the cross, plus if you suffer for other people, no, Jesus' work on the cross is enough and is all sufficient. It's all you need to save you. That's all that can save a person. Not your good works, not their good works, pleasures. No, it's only Jesus. So what is he saying? What is lacking in Christ's afflictions? It's not a lacking in power, but in, you could say, proximity. Not in power, but in proximity. Pastor David and I were talking about uh, this passage earlier this week, and I love the illustration he gave. It's the idea of if a scientist came up with a cure. Let's just, I don't know if you said this when you were preaching this, Pastor David, but let's, let's say a scientist came up with a cure for this pandemic. Man, that would be awesome. They came up with a vaccine or a medicine that took away the symptoms right away. That would be awesome. 
the power is there, but there are people needed to help take the cure to the world, right? The power's there, it's all sufficient, but other people are gonna have to help take the cure, take the medicine to the world. And that's the idea that Paul's talking about here, that Christ, his remedy of the cross for sin and death is enough. But we as believers, once we've experienced the remedy, we're called to take that remedy to the world, take it to other people. So Christ suffered. Now, because I've been saved by his suffering, now I'm willing to suffer so I can take other people that same salvation that Christ provides. So be clear, Christ, his powerful cross is not lacking in anything. So Jesus suffered so I can be healed. So now I'm willing to suffer to take his healing to others. It's embracing the pain, embracing that serving other people, that taking the gospel to others, putting other people before yourself can be painful. It makes me think about uh, if you've seen, uh, you know, the guy at the gym, which RIP gyms right now, but uh, the guy at the gym or even at his home gym uh, and he's pushing real hard. He's one of those big, huge, like super, super muscular guys. Um, and he's pushing super hard and he gets done. He's like, oh man, feels good. And you're like, what? How does that feel good? You were screaming and you were turning red and veins were popping out of your neck. What do you mean it feels good? He doesn't mean that like literally, literally it felt good. But the guy working out knows that the pain he's undergoing as he pushes the weight is a good pain because of the results it's producing. It's suffering that has purpose. So the guy working out says, man, I'm gonna rejoice in that. And that's why like, when someone goes to the gym, they do wanna push hard because if you don't push hard, if you don't suffer, if you don't go through the pain, you're not gonna have any results. That's why you make fun of the, the grown man who has the two pound dumbbells in his car and says, I'm not going for bulk, I'm going for tone. You're like, man, that's not gonna do anything. Those weigh like two pounds. You have to suffer a little bit, put in some work to have some results, but those results are totally worth it. That's, that's the call to believers to be willing to suffer, to be willing to experience pain, to be willing to put in the work, knowing that as we take the gospel to the world, as we take uh, encouragement and the word of God to other believers to strengthen them, even, even not just encouragement, but also reproof, correction, to strengthen each other, that even though it can be painful, it's a good pain because of the, what it produces. It produces Christ-likeness. And for those that don't know Christ, it produces them getting to hear the gospel and, and come to Christ for salvation. So it's a pain is a suffering that has results. So it's, it's worth it. You could almost say it's, it's high risk, high reward. Let's be honest. For Christians in America, this is very low risk and high reward. Especially when you think about our brothers and sisters that are, that are scattered throughout the world. Man, they literally have high risk, high reward. They could literally lose their life for the sake of the gospel. I mean, here in the States, probably the worst that's gonna happen is you may be made fun of, you may be rejected, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess that probably that's not even gonna happen. You may be ignored. You may have someone kind of look at you funny, but that's about it. Makes me think of what I've shared with you before of, uh, of one Christian who was in a, a country where there was persecution. He told a Christian in the States, he said, never give up in freedom what we would never give up in persecution. Man, we have an incredible opportunity, such freedom to share the gospel. May we be willing to endure suffering 
even though in the state there's not that much, may we be willing to embrace the pain to take the, the remedy that Christ has provided to the world. And the remedy is himself. Okay, so we embrace the pain. That's, that's the first step in living out your purpose in Christ to realize it is gonna be painful, but it's worth it. I need to embrace it. Once you embrace the pain, what is the next step? The next step is to step into your calling. Read verse 25 with me. Uh, he's talking about, again, verse 24 of uh, l- filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is the church. And he says, of which, speaking of the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Man, how, how amazing is that? Paul says, I stepped into my assignment. So I think the example that Paul provides here is to take on God's assignment for you, to step into your calling. What was Paul's? He said, I had a stewardship to make the word of God fully known. So the gospel, even though it was present since Genesis, Genesis chapter three, it was, you could say, veiled throughout scripture. But in Christ, Hebrews says, God's final ultimate word in Christ, the gospel was made perfectly, completely clear. And so Paul's job was to take that message to the world. It says, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. So what is that mystery that he's referring to that he was to unpack and, and say, man, it's here, this truth is here. It's that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. A, a couple of things to, uh, to unpack there and to think about there. He referenced Gentiles. The idea being that regardless of your race, regardless of your ethnicity, regardless of your background, regardless of how much you may have messed up or not messed up, regardless of how religious you've been or not religious you've been, if you have turned to Christ for salvation, Christ lives in you. By the way, it's not Christ and you, like now you're just buddies. No, Christ doesn't just say mine when he saves you. He says home. Now, how cool is that? That Christ takes up residence in your life. And it says he is the hope of glory. I was thinking about that word. Glory is kind of a funny word. Like I, if you grew up like me and you grew up uh, Baptist and even like in the, kind of the deep south, I remember when the pastor would be preaching and people would say glory, right? And sometimes we still say that here, but they'll say glory. And I thought, what is, what is exactly about the hope of glory. Like, why didn't Paul say the hope of, of um, majesty or the hope of beauty or the hope of perfection or the hope of joy, the hope of heaven, the hope of satisfaction, the hope of fulfillment, the hope of uh, uh, restoration, the hope of brilliance. It's because it's all those things and more. It's the hope of glory. So Jesus, him living in you is the 100% Bonafide guarantee that you have hope of glory, hope of heaven. And you can even say, really, Jesus is that hope. He is that glory. So Paul's saying, my mission, my responsibility in ministry is to take this mystery, to take the gospel to the world. And here's the reality. Every single Christian 
their, their calling I'm talking about stepping into is essentially that. It may look a little different, but it's to take the hope of glory, Jesus, which if you're in Christ, he's in you as well, if you know Christ, to take Jesus to your context, to your world. He is the hope of glory. And again, it's not Jesus and you like, hey, tag team Jesus, we can do this. No, it's him in you. He is the hope that you're to take to the world, to take to whatever context you're living in. I think the, the demonstration of Paul here, again, now he's not bragging, but the demonstration is to invite us to step into our calling to make much of Jesus wherever we are at. I remember uh, growing up, we uh, would go to this place called Strickland's Landing and it was this pretty big lake. And looking back, there were alligators in it. So I'm not sure why we would go and do this, but they had these big slides and high dives. It was kind of like a redneck water park. It was really awesome. Um, but I remember we would go to the high dives. As a little kid, they seemed massive. They were probably only, I don't know, 15 feet, but it seemed like you were jumping off a skyscraper. And so what would happen, let's pretend I'm on the high dive. What would happen is uh, you, would, you would get up there and be like, all right, here I go. I'm going to do it. <sighs> I know, I know, I don't know if I can do it yet. And you back up and okay, I think it's, it's gonna hurt, but I'm gonna do it. And then you would, you would make a run for it again. You'd get right to the edge. You're like, nah, 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 nah. And then you would have your friends countdown, right? You know what I'm talking about. If you've been cliff jumping or whatever at the, at the lake and you are y'all count down with me? And you're like, three, two, one, three quarters, half a second. You just keep belaboring it instead of going. And I think so many of us, that's how we treat are stepping into our call, whatever it may be. Maybe God's called you to what we would call full-time ministry, to, to preach the gospel. And, and you're like, well, maybe, but it's gonna be embarrassing. It's gonna cost a lot. And then you back away. Maybe it's just stepping into your calling and realizing that God has called you to be a light in your workplace. Maybe that means um, starting a Bible study. Maybe that means uh, just saying, hey, I'm gonna start a prayer group with these people. But you keep walking up to that calling and you're like, I don't know, it could be embarrassing. I could get rejected. And so then you back away. I want us to realize this morning that your heavenly father is doing what my father did when I would be on that high dive. He'd be down in the water where I was supposed to be jumping, saying, hey, come on. You're not alone. I got this. You're going to be okay. I mean, it's going to be a lot of fun, actually. <laughs> it may hurt when you hit the water because there is some suffering, but it's going to be totally worth it. See, our Heavenly Father is inviting us, calling us to step into our calling, whatever that may be, to make much of Him and whatever your context, context, whether you're retired, whether you're a student, whether you're working at the fast food joint is to make much of Jesus. Now, if you're saying, well, I don't know what that, what that looks like. I don't know what he's really called me to. I want to invite you to ask Jesus to say, Jesus, what does serving you look like? Maybe I was serving you in this context, but now because of the pandemic, my life has changed. What does it look like to serve you right now, Jesus? And if you're like, well, I'm still not sure about that, I would invite you to just bloom where you're planted, to trust that God is sovereign, that God is in control, and that wherever he has you, he has you there for a reason. So bloom where you're planted. Quit saying, well, when I get to this stage of life, when I have more money, when I have more friends, then I'll serve Jesus. When my life is just right, then I'll find my purpose in Jesus. No, don't wait. Bloom where you're planted. Step into your calling. Take the jump even now. So 
you embrace the pain, you step into your calling. And some of you, I can hear you saying, well, okay, if I step into my calling, I start that Bible study, I start reaching out to my friends at work or at school, or I start that prayer group, what am I gonna do? Great, great question. Here's what you're gonna do. Verse 28, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So here's the third thing you're gonna do. It's really simple. You're going to talk about Jesus. And he's pretty awesome to talk about. It says, him we proclaim. So if you're sitting there going, well, now, I don't know, Brandon, that's just the job of the preachers and the Sunday school teachers to proclaim Jesus. I just come and listen and I just go to work or I go to school. No, no, no. He says, him we proclaim. So if you are a believer, it's your responsibility as you embrace the pain, as you step into the call to talk about Jesus, to proclaim Jesus. And what is the result of this? It says that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So again, the goal, the result of this, this, the purpose of this is maturity, that we would grow up and flourish in Christ. Why is it that as believers, we seem to be busy doing a lot of things. We seem to have a lot of conversations, but we so infrequently talk about Jesus. Man, it's so easy for us to get together and talk about the sports. Well, that's <laughs> no sports right now. It's so easy to talk about how we wish there were sports. So easy to get together and talk about uh, the crazy Lubbock weather that's going up and down. So crazy to talk about how there's no uh, toilet paper or Lysol wipes at the store. But it's so, it seems like there's a wall, a hindrance to us just talking about Jesus. But the reality is as we talk about Jesus, that's how we grow. That's how we mature. And that's how other people hear about Jesus. As we proclaim him, we talk about him. Makes me think about um, last, uh, I think it was last spring, uh, myself and a couple of college students, Key One and JT, we're gonna go up to Paladuro to go hiking for the day. And we, we stopped at uh, Market Street on 19th and we got so many snacks. We had every snack you can imagine. We had all the gear, even though it was just a day hike. We had uh, the backpacks, but we each maybe had two little bottles of water. And I remember as we were going into, uh, into the park, the, one of the rangers there said, hey, y'all need to make sure you have a lot of water. And what we found on that hike is we had all this gear, all this stuff, but what we needed most to actually finish the hike, to actually complete the journey to get where we were trying to go, we just needed water. Like, water didn't seem like the most exciting thing, but that's what we needed. And maybe it wasn't the most like, sexy, cool thing of like, oh, water, but we needed water. See, I think as Christians, we do the same thing. We're on this journey of supposed to be growing in Christ-likeness uh, and being more like him, but we forget the one thing that we really need, and that's to, to, to talk about Jesus. When I say talk about, I mean, I mean, what is he doing in your life? What are you learning about him in Scripture? And because we talk about every other thing and focus on every other thing except Christ, we wonder why we're not growing in maturity. We wonder why as... <laughs> as this pandemic is squeezing what's in us out and we realize that, man, we're selfish and we're kind of wimpy in our Christianity, maybe it's because we're not talking about Jesus enough. And if you say, well, man, okay, I should talk about Jesus, but I don't know what to talk about. Here's the reality. If you don't spend time with them, you're not gonna know them. The way to be able to talk about him is to talk with him to get in the scriptures, to spend time 
dedicated time praying, talking with him. And as I talk with him, it's going to become more natural for me to talk about him, to, to, to lead a Bible study, to as I'm riding in the car with somebody six feet apart, to say, hey, what is Jesus teaching you right now? What are you learning in scripture? How can I pray for you? And as we do that, we're going to mature. We're going to grow. That's one of the ways that we, we live out our purpose in Christ is we simply talk about him. So we're going to embrace the pain. We're going to step into our calling. We're going to talk about Jesus. Pretty simple. The last thing, we all need to hear this. It's just to get after it. <laughs> I'll explain what I mean. Verse 29, he says, For this I toil, struggling with all his energy, that he powerfully works within me. So he says, I'm going to dive in to ministering to other people. I'm going to dive in to wanting to see people mature in Christ. I'm going to dive into serving others so they can know and grow in Christ. And I love this tension here. He says, I toil struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. Do you see that tension of Paul said, I'm going to work hard. I'm going to get after it. I'm going to give everything I can to know Christ and to help others know him, whether they need to hear the gospel for the first time or whether they need to grow and be a disciple in Christ. I'm going to work hard at it. But he says that energy, that strength comes from Christ powerfully working within me. So Christ is giving me the ability and the desire and really the strength to serve him, to leave it all on the table, to leave it all on the field. I'm going to go all in. I'm going to go hard in the paint, LeBron James, because Christ is in me, working in me to help people grow and help people know Jesus. It makes me think about, um, some of y'all, you may be in the, the beach down on the, on the coast, uh, or California, Florida, wherever, down in Galveston, down in Texas. But when you go to the beach, it's so fun to go out and to, I feel like me, I don't know how to surf. I like to boogie board, but it's also fun to body surf where you literally just, you're trying to catch the wave and swim with it. And what's fun about that is, yes, there's some, there's some uh, intentional decision and action required of, hey, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get in front of this wave and when it comes, I'm gonna give it all I got. And as the power, the strength of the wave picks you up, it's amazing how fast you can go, just even just body surfing. But it, it is, it's this cool tension of you're given all you have, realizing that you wouldn't really be moving anywhere without the power of that wave behind you. That, that's kind of the idea here of, of what Paul is saying and that we should be saying as Christians, that I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it all I can, but I'm gonna know and trust that really, Christ is the one providing the power and the strength for me to move, to make progress, for me to bear fruit in my Christian life, for me to help others mature in Christ, for me to serve others, and for me to, to be a blessing to them and for me to help disciple them. So if Christ is working in us, doesn't that take away the excuses we give? Man, I, I just don't. I just don't feel like serving Christ. I, I, I'm just tired. I'm just worn down. Christ, God himself is working in you if you're a believer to equip you, to strengthen you, to empower you, to serve him. He takes away our excuses. And I want to say this again, just kind of thinking of my generation. If you're saying, well, I mean, I'm just tired. I'm worn down. I hear you saying Christ will um, empower me, but I'm just exhausted. I, I want to push a little bit. Um, I know that this pandemic has caused, disrupted our rhythms, our schedule, but here's the reality. 
some of this is on us, not referring to the pandemic, but meaning if you're tired. What I mean is, if you're not getting out of bed at a decent time in the morning, you're not taking advantage of common graces of like, hey, I'm gonna go take a walk and get some fresh air. I'm gonna call a friend or FaceTime a friend to try to get a little perspective. Or I'm gonna uh, maybe not just eat a burger and fries every meal. If you're not just taking care of yourself a little bit, no wonder you're worn down and exhausted. I would say if you're not doing those things, you're not really toiling, you're not really struggling. It's kind of like if an athlete, again, sports are gonna come back one day, if an athlete gets out in the field and they say, man, I'm just so tired. The coach is giving me Gatorade, but I'm just worn down. If they've been eating junk food all week and not getting any rest and not getting their, their mind focused on the game, no wonder they're not able to, to toil and struggle well. Now I wanna and, and challenge you, fellow millennials, <laughs> to start getting out of bed on time, going to bed at a decent time, Start filling up God's, uh, your mind with God's word. Start focusing on what is true and good. And as you begin to take care of yourself by God's common graces, see how he empowers you and strengthens you so that you can serve others. And maybe you're, you're going, okay, I'm gonna do all that, but I still feel selfish. I still feel like I don't wanna serve other people. I feel like I need to be encouraged, much less encourage other people. I wanna, I wanna, um, brag on my wife, it's not really bragging because she saw it as like a downfall, but it's just, it's cool. I think it's insightful. As I was preparing for this text, I think it was on Tuesday, Pastor David and I had walked through this passage, or Wednesday, we'd walked through this passage together. And uh, Laura and I were later talking that night, not about this passage, but she was saying she felt kind of bad because she said, yeah, I was gonna call one of the girls on my team today uh, to check in with her and try just to encourage her to be a blessing. Um, but she said, I did not feel like doing it. I, I just did it because uh, I guess I should. And Lauren, my wife, said that when she called this girl, this girl several year, years younger than her, this girl, even though Lauren was calling to encourage her, and she did try to encourage her, this girl actually really ended up being a blessing to Lauren. She encouraged her, she gave her some perspective, and Lauren was telling me, she said, I feel bad because I called to encourage her, even though I didn't feel like it, and she ended up encouraging me. That seems backwards. And I was thought of, uh, I was reminded of Proverbs uh, eleven twenty five that says, he who refreshes others, he who blesses others will himself or herself be refreshed, be blessed. And that's how it works in God's economy. That even when I don't feel like struggling and toiling to be a blessing to other people and to serve other people, to minister to other people, when I do, by God's power, I choose to invest in other people, to bless them, to serve them. The reality is that God actually, while he blesses them, he also encourages and refreshes me. If we can just get over that hump of, oh, woe is me. I'm so tired. I'm so worn down. Life is so bad. What if we chose today to start toiling, start struggling with all the energy that he works within us? What if we chose today to get after it? It's time that we hear the waves of God's power calling out to come, to dive in and to join what he's already doing so that he can empower us to serve him, to find our greatest, not just pleasure, but also our greatest purpose in him as we embrace the pain, as we step into our calling, as we talk about him, and as we get after it. Y'all, God is on the move. It's time we get on the move. God is moving. It's time we get moving and serve other people and minister to them.
So we're gonna enter a time of response. We believe that God's word demands a response. I'm gonna walk you through these real quickly and then we'll be done. If you are not a Christian, God's invitation to you this morning is to come to him for salvation through the life and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So you, you this morning, if you would like to know Christ, you simply need to do this. You can make these words your own prayer, but essentially say, Jesus, I recognize that I'm a broken, sinful, evil person. But I know that in spite of that, you came to this earth, lived a perfect life, died the death that I actually deserved because of my sin, but then rose again victorious. And Jesus, because I believe in who you are and I believe that you are God, the Lord of all, I'm repenting and turning from my sin as that being my savior and my Lord and what I cling to. I'm gonna turn from my sin. I'm gonna turn to you, Jesus, for salvation. I'm gonna place my faith and my trust to have a relationship with you and to go to heaven. It's all based on what you have done for me, not what I've done. Scripture says that if you place this morning your faith and trust in Christ, right now, immediately, you are a child of God. And in heaven, the angels are having a party. And they're not six feet apart, by the way, because <laughs> there's no pandemic in heaven, amen? So if you this morning are praying to receive Christ or prayed to receive Christ, I would like you right now, it's on that top bar of southcrestlive.tv to click on connect. You can connect with us there. Tell us what God's doing in your life. Or even there's a raise your hand button. You can do that. If you're on Facebook, I would invite you right now to send us a message and say, hey, I just accepted Christ. We would love to walk with you through this amazing experience and journey that's beginning for you. If you are a Christian, two things I want you to consider. The first thing, is which one of those do you really need to lean into this week? Embrace the pain, step into your calling, talk about Jesus, get after it. <laughs> the last one, some of us just need to quit making excuses. We know what to do. We just need to start serving. Which one of those this week do you need to lean into and ask God to give you direction and clarity on? I'll give you a little moment to consider that now, but I also want you to consider that the rest of this week. I said there were two things I wanted you to consider. The second thing is who this week as a Christian can you have a Jesus-centered, Christ-centered conversation with? I want you to be real intentional here. I want you, if you have your phone or you got a pen, you're taking notes, I want you to write down their name. You're not about to post about it. This is not for show, but to write down who can I have a Jesus-centered conversation with it with this week? And by the way, it could be a gospel-centered, meaning like they need to hear the gospel, they don't know Christ, or it could be a gospel-centered in that you with another Christian need, just need to talk about the goodness and forgiveness of Jesus and encourage each other as you talk about Jesus together. But who are you gonna have that conversation with? And consider. I'm excited to see as we respond, not just now, but in the coming days, how we're gonna grow and mature in Christ. I'm gonna pray for us. And then after I pray, um, I'm gonna give you just a few quick announcements and we'll be done. So if you would pray with me. And if you're still uh, talking with the Lord about those things, I don't wanna interrupt you in the Lord. But if you're already through talking with God about those things, pray with me. Jesus, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the example of Paul. God, that he wasn't just bragging, but he was demonstrating what it looks like to do real Christian ministry, what it looks like to find our greatest pleasure and our greatest purpose in you. God, may we this week embrace the pain, step into our calling, 
talk about you and just flat out get after it. God, for those people this morning that came to you for salvation, I, I trust and know that they're gonna reach out to us. And Lord, I pray that we could encourage them and, and walk alongside them and equip them to, to grow in you and to mature in you. And God, I pray that as we as believers this week, as we talk about you, that these would be fruitful conversations. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. Thank you that you invite us to serve alongside you, to, to carry out the remedy to the world and to each other. It's in your powerful name that we pray. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcast. The goal of the venue is to help you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus by being relational, helpful, hopeful, and real. Thanks again for listening to the Venue Podcast.